On this episode, we're joined by special guest Valerie Preactor from 98 Rock and WBAL News Radio to talk a little Orioles baseball. We'll be answering some of your questions and give you our insight on what to expect from the Orioles the rest of the year. All of this and much more next on the Birdie Breakdown Podcast. So first, I just wanted to say thank you to Valerie for hopping on with us today. I know you're a very busy woman, and it means a lot to us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Okay, so I guess we'll just get started and start answering some of these questions. So first up, the Orioles have played 106 games so far this year. The whopping 613 win percentage, first place in the AL East and the AL as a whole. There's been a star play up and down the lineup in the bullpen, some breakout performances in the rotation. But if you had to choose one player for Orioles MVP through 106 games, who would it be and why? That's a tough question. Um, and I know that a lot of people maybe most recently would say Gunnar Henderson because he's been so dominant at the plate. And he really is the all-around candidate because defensively he is also there as well. We've seen him make so many tremendous plays, not only – at third and short, but I mean, he's just incredible in the infield. He can really go anywhere. So he is the, the, I think obvious choice. Um, but I always go back to Adley Rutschman because he's consistent. I mean, he might not be putting up record numbers like Gunnar Henderson has been in the past few weeks, but defensively you think he, you know, he works with the pitchers. So I think there's a lot of credit that goes to Adley Rutschman for how successful not only the starting pitchers are, but the bullpen. I mean, no wonder Felix Bautista and Yunir Cano have just fallen into place in this back end of the bullpen. It's because of Adley Rutschman. He has had a lot to do with it and bringing in new pitchers. He's the, he's your go-to. So working with Adley Rutschman definitely is an adjustment because he's a younger catcher. Unlike James McCann, having that veteran presence is definitely helpful, but you look at Adley Rutschman, he's consistent at the plate. Defensively, he like has no pass balls, which is insane for a catcher. And now he's leading off the Orioles lineup. So that's something that's brand new for him. And I think he's just adjusted so well to being a big leaguer in the last year and a half. I mean, he's still in his first full season. So I still kind of consider him a rookie. So he's kind of edge to edge with Gunnar Henderson. So for me, the MVP, look, he was most valuable at Oriole last year. He could very well do it again this year. Yeah, I really like that with Adley Rutschman, obviously, like you said, he works with the pitchers a lot. But my MVP so far through 106 games has to be Anthony Santander. He's only missed four of them. He commands right field in Baltimore, which is obviously a little hard with the little corner near the foul pole. But this year, like I said, he's played 102 games as a 28-year-old. He's had 390 at bats with a hundred of them at, with a hundred of those at bats resulting in hits, 28 of those being doubles and obviously one triple. And like the other day in, or in at Camden yards facing the Yankees, he reached out for that diving catch. That's something not every right fielder can do, especially at Camden yards. And he can always go into the corner. Sometimes you can't see him on TV or when you're in the crowd, you can't see him in the corner, but he, normally comes out with the catch and he plays hard and I just think he's a great addition to the clubhouse when we got him back in 2017 and like I said he's just a hit machine 
Yeah, he's led the Orioles in homers and RBIs over the past two seasons. And people forget, Santander was a Gold Glove finalist back in 2020. So I mean, he can get it done in the outfield. We know we've seen McKenna come in defensively um, as a substitution late in the games this year. But Santander's defense has really showed up this season and in past seasons as well. I like that choice, Jack. Jacob, what you got? Um, I think everybody should be going this right now. Felix Bautista, you gotta you gotta ride the Felix train. The dude is phenomenal. He threw thirty five pitches last night and managed to get out of not one but two first and second with one out situations. The dude can consistently throw one hundred to one hundred two. The splitter is just something else. He was going a slider a lot last night too, and it worked. And he got out of it. I don't think he'll be available tonight, but. The dude is just lights out. He's has the second highest strikeout rate in history behind Chapman right now. I think his was 53%. Felix is around 50. And it's just something I've never seen before, especially for a guy who got released by the Marlins many years ago and now has developed through the Orioles pitching lab. And the dude is, I can't even describe Felix Bautista. He's just that good. Yeah, Felix has been incredible this year. Um, and I, you know, I really didn't like the move by Hyde to bring him in for that five out save yesterday. I mean, I get bringing him in for the last two in the eighth. Um, but I mean, I would have trusted Mike Bellman to get three outs in the ninth in that game. Um, you, you lose him for for today and probably tomorrow too. Um, but you know, you do you you do worry sometimes about Felix burning out towards the end of the year in a deep October run. Um, Hyde's got to find a way to manage his innings better. I know he didn't pitch um, the past three days prior to yesterday, um, but something to watch there. But you're right, Jacob. Um, I would 100% agree with you. Um, you know, with the Orioles' middle relief struggles, you know, this entire year, really, where would they be without him? You know, we saw against Toronto that five-out save. Um, Cano was struggling, as he has been struggling for months. Um, but Felix Bautista just came in and got the job done. Yeah, he didn't have his best stuff. Um, against Toronto in game one, but he find the, found found a way to get the job done. And in my opinion, he's making a serious case for uh, AL Cy Young. Um, probably not going to win it, but as a reliever, just putting up monster numbers, 0.87 ERA, 100 strikeouts in only 51.2 innings pitched. The 29 saves tied for the most in the AL. He's allowed only five earned runs all season. And, and as Jacob said, that strikeouts per nine, is over 17, which is on pace for the second most in MLB history. But the Orioles have had so many star-studded players this year playing such great baseball, and you really couldn't go wrong with all of these options. So I guess now we'll move to our next question. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about Gunnar Henderson and how he's really had a resurgence here in the past three months or so um, after the really rough start in April and May, which is expected for a young guy like him at only 22 years old. But... He's picked it up big time, and he's really put himself in the AL Rookie of the Year conversation. But does Gunnar Henderson have a realistic shot to win AL Rookie of the Year this season? I think there's no doubt about it. He's definitely in the conversation. Look, we saw Ali Rutschman be the finalist, the runner-up last year, and then, of course, you know, falling to Julio Rodriguez. Well-deserved. There's so many talents in the American League right now that are young. I mean, this is the season right now for up-and-coming prospects, and we're just – that we're getting our first hand at all of them really this season, what their full potential is. So for Gunnar Henderson to open the season on a major league roster, what number one, that's huge. This is his first full rookie season. 
and he's dominated. It was a very slow start for him. I think that's the only thing that maybe you look back on the season and you're like, well, what were his numbers in April and May? They weren't there. He didn't really start going until about June. And that's when he really started connecting. And I saw it yesterday um, when they had the ESPN game, they were actually breaking down his posture in the box, which I thought was really interesting because it's totally changed the way he hits the ball. And that's why you're seeing him go yard. He has a grand slam this year. He had a solo home run last night. He's just really seeing the ball well. And defensively, I mentioned that before, lights out. He can play, I mean, shortstop. He can play third. He can play second. And Adam Frazier, who's a veteran, been in the league for almost 10 years now, said that's not something that's really easy. So for a 22-year-old to be doing that, I mean, you look at the other uh, AL rookies, maybe like Corbin Carroll is the only one I can really think of that's probably up there. I think he might have dealt with an injury this season. But I, I think Gunnar Henderson, for me, I mean, if you look at the uh, the Orioles, He's he's a shoe in. Yeah, Gunner has the most war amongst AL rookies this year. We've seen him flash the glove all season long, despite him um, a little struggling with the bat early on. Um, he was still walking though, which is productive. He was getting on base. He still he still gets on base, second most on the team behind Adley. Um, but since June first, Gunner's hitting a really solid two seventy seven with twelve homers, most on the team since then, and thirty one RBIs too. Um, and I was just looking at Gunnar Henderson's baseball savant page, and boy, I mean, it's it's just impressive for a guy who's only 22 years old, 90th percentile in average exit velo, 91st in average in max exit velo, 93rd in hard hit rate. I mean, it's just crazy. Walk rate, 86th percent, arm strength, 91st percent percentile. We we've seen we saw that on display against Toronto. A couple of crazy plays by him. I mean, he just makes it look so routine out there. He's started to take his time more on these throws. Um, that started to get away from him a little bit. Um, he struggled with accuracy earlier on in the season, but Gunner has just played so well this year. And he is, if I had to pick one player who has the most potential on this team in the future, it's it's got to be Gunner Henderson over guys like Adley Rushman, just because he's just so talented at such a young age already. Yeah, I definitely agree with that as – through two years, which obviously not a full year in his first year, he came up for about the last month of the season. He's got over 100 hits, and he has the speed. If anybody's worried about his speed, I've seen some people on Twitter and Instagram who are like, Gunner can't be a third baseman of the future with his speed, but he's got six triples. And also, if you want to say this dude doesn't have power, you're wrong. 21 home runs over 129 games. Sure, he doesn't have, like, let's say, Santander power or Mullins power if he would have been here for the full season. But I think, personally, Gunner and not being biased, but I think Gunnar Henderson is better than Josh Young. You can't rule out the uh, Yoshida factor on the Red Sox. People keep forgetting about that, dude. He has – I think he's over 300 batting average right now. And, I mean, the home runs are not – up for him, but he is consistently on base, and he is scoring for the Red Sox. But I like Gunner over Yoshida. I mean, yes, people forget that Gunner was here last year, but they did it in September for that sole reason that he could have a full rookie year. And I think he's shown that he can be up there. Just hopefully it doesn't end up like last year where we get to second place in the voting and somebody else takes it. But I like what I see from Gunner so far. And the dude's only getting started. Yeah. I mean, I do, 
I do, you know, Masataka Yoshida has played so well this year. Um, he leads the AL in batting average. Um, he is the current favorite right now um, on many platforms. Um, but I just don't really support the idea of giving uh, the Rookie of the Year award to a 30-year-old. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, so we'll go to the next question. The Orioles have played so well this year. You know, they've accomplished so much, and they're really ahead of schedule um, in terms of their rise to success in baseball. But out of 10, on a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised are you about the Orioles' success this season? Uh, it's going to be up there. I mean, I'd probably say like an 8 out of 10. I don't think we – because of the reason why – the Orioles are at the top of the AL East right now with the best record in the division. I think that's what surprises me the most. You could have told me that Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, and all the other top prospects that they brought up, Colton Cowser, Jordan Westberg, that they were all going to make appearances at some point in the season. That wouldn't have shocked me. But the fact that the Orioles being in the top spot and the Yankees being in the last spot, never, never would have believed you when it comes to 2023 because even though general manager Mike Elias had said, even last year, this is liftoff. We've finally seen it with these young guys. But now we really are seeing it. And I didn't realize how quickly it was going to come to fruition because I feel like he only said that really at the end of last season. And you kind of have to have a full-blown season with all of your guys working together, not only bringing in new guys off the street, really, with like Adam Frazier and you've got Kyle Gibson working into the rotation, so there were so many new faces, I felt like, that you didn't really know how it was going to work out. And so for them to kind of go through the motions the first month or so, but now in July, when it really matters to be at the top of the AL East, it's so important. And so I think an 8 out of 10, that that surprises me on, on how well they're doing right now, um, because I have no doubt they're going to make a deep playoff run. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, but... I think it's a nine because if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that Ryan O'Hearn was going to be one of our best players, I would have looked at you like, I probably would have said, who is Ryan O'Hearn? But mm -hmm. obviously he's been a big contributor, but you can't just say Ryan O'Hearn. Adam Frazier's definitely been very good of late. He can hit, he's got stellar defense. And really the only weak spot in our roster right now is probably the outfield because of our injuries and also Jorge Mateo at short because obviously he hasn't had the best season of his career and he got caught stealing third base yesterday, which was a little, eh, the Saint, the next pitch after stealing, after stealing second. But if you were to tell, if you were to tell me that we were in first place at the beginning of the season, I probably would have believed you, but not if you told me that Ryan O'Hearn was one of our best guys. Yeah. Mateo, um, let me get me started on him. Um, but you know, after he made that web gem in the first inning, to save a run um, against Toronto. I knew he was due for a, uh, a bit of a poor, poor play coming up. He stole second, and I'm like, okay, is he going to go for third? He went for third. He got caught stealing. Um, that's kind of been the story of Jorge Mateo this year. Um, some ups early, but mostly downs. Um, but again, I think Mateo is a guy you want to keep around for a playoff run. He is a guy who, you know, he's, despite not getting on base really at all, He's still top eight in all of baseball on stolen bases. So that that factors well um, into the postseason when every run does matter so much more. I I completely agree with you, Nelson. I think I think that I would give the this year a 10. I think I go above all of you because listen, 
I, I started getting into baseball the year of the rebuild, which was terrible. It was flat out terrible. And to go from 47 wins to, I think it was 52 in 2019, and then again in 21, 22, you get up to 83, 31 game improvement, and they're on pace to win 100 games. That's crazy. And I think the sole factor has been Elias's work on the farm system, the development from the pitching and the offense, and Adley Rutschman, just the the presence. Yeah, I mean, ever, coming into the year, everyone was talking about how the Orioles were going to take a step back and how historically good the AL East is. And yeah, that latter part is true, um, but they really use all of that as fuel. Um to, to boost what has been just such a spectacular season. I love their ability to to flush games that they lose and move on to the next. You know, with a team full of young guys, it's the second youngest team in all of baseball. Um, they're not supposed to act like the mature season vets um, that they are acting like, um, but that's exactly what they've been doing, and it's it's just super impressive to watch. So for our last question, it's kind of a kind of a meaty one. Um, Heston Kerstad, Colton Kowser. Cedric Mullins, Aaron Hicks. You also have a lot of outfielders, um, potential outfielders as well. Colton Kowser has been struggling a lot this year in his brief stint with the Orioles. That's as expected. We've seen guys like Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson struggle early on in their careers in the major leagues. Cedric Mullins is out with another groin injury. Timetable for his return is, all, is unknown. Aaron Hicks, timetable for his hamstring injury is also unknown. You got guys like Col- like Heston Kerstad in AAA who are tearing the cover off of the baseball. They've been doing it all season long. If it wasn't for COVID, Heston Kerstad would already be in the big leagues. But is it time to call up Heston Kerstad who's been raking all season long? If so, how do you find to- time for him in this lineup that's really just stacked top to bottom? Yeah, there there's a lot going on. And I mean, you could look at, the infield and the outfield and say there's so many prospects that the Orioles have because it's true. I mean, they have about 11,000 infielders that they could bring up at any point in time. And I know that general manager Michael Elias even said just this past weekend that the road for Jackson Holiday to come to the big leagues, he's not thinking that that couldn't be this year. So you might even see Jackson Holiday in the infield in 2023. I think that would blow my mind. There's no way, but he's not saying no. So I, for if he's going to say that about Jackson Holiday, that means he can bring anybody else up because Heston Kerr's dad's out in Norfolk, like you said, tearing the baseball, uh, the cover off the baseball, and it's true. So I think it's been unfortunate with Cedric Mullins and Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks has dealt with injuries in the past. This is a little uncharacteristic from Cedric Mullins to see back-to-back injuries that are so similar, but obviously very different, different legs. Um, and he's disappointed, of course. I mean, he he's a guy that wants to play, but with that being said, an adductor groin strain specifically in the upper part of your leg, that has a lot to do with your speed. So we've known Cedric Mullins to not only be very fast in the outfield, obviously with those diving plays that he makes very Spider-Man S, but he's also a menace on the base path. So if he can't run a hundred percent, then I don't know what he does for this Orioles team, honestly, because that is a huge, huge factor on who Cedric Mullins is and how he plays as a baseball player. So I think for Cedric Mullins, it's disappointing. Aaron Hicks comes in and he was like raking for the first three weeks as an Oriole. He's had the best case scenario, honestly. I think he's so much happier here in Baltimore. I've seen him around the clubhouse. 
He's totally not the guy I would have expected him to be. He's so kind, so genuine, wants to play, of course, has been really involved in this clubhouse and in this team already. I mean, and he's a veteran. He's been around for a long time. So to mesh automatically with this young crew is really commendable. Um, but he's dealt with injuries. So this isn't something new for him. Uh, but I think he he's probably upset that he can't go out there and play because he was doing so well. Caught a little bit of a scuffle toward the end right before he got hurt. But yeah, both of those guys in the 10-day injured list, not best case scenario, but that's where Colton Kowser comes into play. So I think the Orioles got so lucky by bringing Kowser up when they did that, yes, he hasn't been super successful. We look, look how long it took Jordan Westbrook to get his first home run, okay? He was, you know, it was at least about a month or so, I would say. Um, maybe a little bit less than that. But Colton Kowser, I have no doubt that he is going to be uh, successful as a big leaguer. I felt kind of bad going back to Joey Ortiz, what they've done with him kind of roller coastered between AAA Norfolk and the big leagues, uh, because it's tough. And I thought he was he's still a really good prospect and he is a good baseball player. But it just depends. I think the speed of the game, it's very similar to like football. You kind of have to slow it down from college. You have to slow it down from big league uh, from the minor league. So for Colton Kowser, he's been consistent there. You can't deny that he's so patient at the plate. The discipline there in his at-bats is unmatched. I mean, in his first like 20 games, he either had a walk or a hit. So he was always getting on base or he was getting hit by a pitch. He's just, he's that guy. So I think him and honestly, like Ryan McKenna, I wouldn't compare them, but they're both like really clutch guys and they come in when you need them to. I've talked to Brandon Hyde about him. And especially Brian McKenna, I know you brought him up at one point. He's there to be that extra man in the outfield, just to spell somebody or, you know, really that just in case. Look, we've seen him come out, out of the out of the dugout, off the bench, hit for Anthony Santander with the two-run walk-off homer. Not everybody can do that. And I don't think anybody at the time thought Ryan McKenna could, but that's why you can't ever count him out because Brandon Hyde counts on him and Ryan McKenna knows that. And that's really the relationship that I've kind of delved into a little bit this season, because I feel like at the beginning of the year with that drop in Boston, everyone was like anti Ryan McKenna and out for him. And I have been at his defense every step of the way because it's baseball. I mean, there's 162 games, the second game, it's not hurting us right now. Okay. We can forget about it. He's redeemed himself. We're moving on. And I think he's a vital part of the Orioles. So I know that's a long winded question. We know it was meaty, but I think they have so much talent in the outfield. Obviously, you don't even touch Austin Hayes. Nobody needs to talk about him. He's an all-star. He's fantastic. He makes those diving plays look easy, unlike anybody else. But we haven't even seen, like, fantastic plays from Colton Kowser yet just because of the situations that we've been in. So for the Orioles, I think they kind of just have to be patient with him. And he's still young. I mean, he, he's he's in his 20s like everybody else, like Adley, like Gunner. So it's kind of just a waiting game to see when the burst I think for Colton Kowser is going to be, but Heston Kerr's dad, sorry, I didn't even get to that yet. Heston Kerr's dad, he's going to wait his turn. You know, I just like Jackson holiday, I think should too. You kind of have to wait and see. Uh, He's definitely been down in the minors for long enough, uh, but you saw how long it took for Adley. I feel like it was just a waiting game and now all the pieces are kind of set. So there's no pressure for him to come up. They'll just have to wait and see. But I think if Cedric Mullins and Aaron Hicks stay on the IL for any longer, that might be in the cards for Heston Kerr's dad to come up before the end of the season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And to the question, Nelson, um, where would we put Heston? We'd probably just slot him into an outfield spot. I wouldn't be shocked if 
in the up. I know he's more of a first baseman now, but I would not be shocked if in the upcoming days we call him up and send down McKenna and or Kowser and bring up Ortiz maybe because Ortiz can give us an extra infield spot. But like Valerie said, I expect Hicks and or Mullins to be back soon, if not this week or next week. But I feel like Heston needs to go to first base because he can make all those plays at first. But then if we just call him up, we have three first basemen. We have Mountcastle, we have O'Hearn, and then we would have Kerstad. Mountcastle used to be a left fielder, but we have enough outfielders, especially if we call up Kerstad. So I think if Kerstad were to come up, especially this season, he'd have to play in the outfield. I. Nelson, you put me in a spot here because I don't pay much attention down in, like, the minors all that much. But I, I would really like the idea of bringing Heston up. And like Jack said, even a first base role is wide open because last week we got really encouraging news from Rock about Mullins and Hicks. That Mullins was I – think, I think he said Mullins was running again and Hicks was closer to coming back. So even with that – and Heston at first, you can get those two guys like Mullins and Hicks back. And yeah, watching Kowser has been I, I feel for the guy. It's just not not going his way right now. Love the guy. He's funny and he's just he's having fun. He's here for he's just here for a good time, but I think he needs to reset mentally, kinda like Grayson. You need to go back down, get your head back right, start hitting the ball again, and then come back up and look at what Grayson's doing. You just need that little stint back down to get your confidence back up, and we'll go from there. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I mean, the Orioles, the Orioles do have a, a first base problem. You know, you've got O'Hearn, who after Mountcastle got hurt was your everyday first baseman. You know, but now that Mountcastle's back, and since he's been back, he's been the best hitter on the Orioles. Um, they've been trying to get more playing time for Ryan against even righties. Um, as he's been starting to hit them even more now. Um, and it's not such a pl- platoon role that it was for that first week or so that Mountcastle came back off of the IL. But yeah, like we were saying, how, how do you how do you find a spot for Kersad in this lineup? Obviously, you're gonna have with a fully healthy team, you're gonna have Mullins in center. You got Hayes in left and Santander in right. Um, obviously there's rotation around those three, but there's just no room for him because you've got a guy like Ryan O'Hearn in the middle of your order who you can't take out because he's just raking. And you could say, oh, well, what if we bring in Kersad against right or against lefties, but Kersad's a lefty. Um, so that doesn't really help that much. Um, but, you know, these are these are great problems to have, right? If four years ago, we were not having these conversations um, and all of these guys weren't even in the organization. So the depth of this system, the depth of this team um, and of this organization is just something to really just marvel at under um, the fact that they've had to make these tough decisions. And Michael Elias has said this um, multiple times, you know, that these are really tough decisions to make. Yeah. But they're decisions we want to be making um, because it shows that we're playing so well um, across, you know, all minor league teams and in the majors as well. Um, I think Kowser will be fine. He's going to keep getting playing time until Hicks, um, who I think is going to be the first one to come back until Hicks and Mullins come back. Um, and he'll figure it out. You know, we've seen uh, Henderson and, and Adley struggle, but the fact that um, he's still walking as more of, more of late, he hasn't, um, he's been trying to chase hits recently, 
Um, but you know, this is one thing that we've seen all of these Orioles prospects who have come up have is that that great eye um and and discipline at the plate. You know, Adley is top three in the AL in in, in walks, Gunner is not far behind him, and Kerstad um has shown a lot of patience at the plate with really impressive um veteran-esque at at bets um in his first uh 15 or so games in Baltimore. Um so we'll see what the Orioles do with Kowser. I mean, Brandon Hyde has said, um, you know, all rookies are going to struggle. It doesn't matter how how well you played in triple in A at Norfolk. Um, it's an adjustment. The timing, it's it's just the speed of the game is a lot faster and it's something he's got to work out. He's got the perfect opportunity right now to figure it out um with the two injuries to our, you know, our top two center fielders, but he's got time and he's he's got to take advantage of it. Um, so yeah, again, I don't think we're gonna see Kerstad yet. Um, I'd love to see him. Um, maybe if there is if there's some trade that happens um within the next four and a half hours or so, um, that would maybe open up a spot. I don't think so. Um, but uh yeah, there's just there's a lot of a lot of things going on in that Orioles outfield with a lot of good problems and decisions to be made. So that pretty much wraps it up. Um, for for us on this episode of the Brody Breakdown Podcast. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials all season long as we keep you up to date with daily news reports and analysis of your Baltimore Orioles. For Jacob Kemp, Jack Cohen, and our special guest, Valerie Preactor, I'm Nelson Dorsey. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.